0: Well, good morning, everyone. I am grateful to be here with you this morning. This morning, I said this first service, but I have to say it again. Uh, If you're watching us online, I am so, again, grateful that you have joined us online as well. But how amazing it is to join together in worship in song. I love that part. For me, musical worship, I listen to it a lot. I listen to the words. It ministers to me. So uh, my prayer is that um, you're receiving that as well online. And if you can make it to one of our services in person that you do that, because there's just something that happens in the midst of the worship as we come together this morning. So again, I'm grateful to be here with you this morning. And as I was uh, doing errands, you're gonna love to hear this story, right? As I'm doing errands and stuff this week, um, what did I see in the stores? Christmas, thank you. First service got it too, I love that. Christmas decorations, right? They are everywhere And, and more importantly, Christmas candy. Is everywhere. I thought about putting the candy up on the front of the stage, but um, I did not do that this morning. So I thought about that, and I had a question for you this morning. I, my question is, are you ready? Are you ready? And if not, what is it that you need to do? Well, let me recommend something that you may not have even thought about as you begin to pray, prepare for the holiday season um, awaiting us maybe I can challenge you with the idea that the thing that you need to do is rest. It's the direct opposite of what you think you might need to do in preparation. But that is a challenge for you. I'm gonna share with you a quote that I read and I'll use it again later on in the service, but think about it. Just think about this quote. It says, he who cannot rest cannot work. He who cannot let go cannot hold on. He who cannot find footing cannot go forward. So what does that mean? It means the less you rest, the less you can accomplish, right? Because rest gives us the ability to move ahead, to persevere with whatever it is, That is in our path. And to let go of the things that we have gives me the chance to build a stronger hold and hang on to Jesus. The best outcome requires or follows the best rest. Now, Jesus knew the burdens that we would carry, but it was never his intention that we would carry those burdens. On our own. So I'm going to start right out this morning with his words, him speaking in the book of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. This is what he says specifically about this subject. He says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So my hope today is that as we dig deeper into this study of rest, that we will discover some truths hidden that we may have never seen before. And that's the Lord's work, isn't it? To, to reveal those things to each and every one of us right where we need to be, right where he has us so that he can speak to our hearts. Because I was thinking, what if we begin to study this idea of rest before we are tired? What if we are preemptive and proactive in understanding what that means for us before we hit that wall? Well, maybe then our perspective and our next steps will look different when the weariness starts to hit us. So before we can even go there, I thought I got to get real with you all this morning and ask a question, how many walked in tired already? Okay, first service, all the parents raised their hand, you know, that they had walked in tired. I get that, I've been there. How many too often feel like they need a vacation from their vacation? Mm Mm-hmm. How many love this season that is ahead of us but are yet unsure how they will get their plans all accomplished? Finally, how many don't even know how to rest? That's been me at times, don't even know how or the reason behind the need for rest. Well, here's a spoiler. We can't get to all those today, but I know someone who can help to reveal all those answers for you. Today we're going to look at three kinds of uh, weariness three kinds of being tired, and then look at what we can do in order to overcome um, those different areas. The first thing that we have to look at is our physical tiredness. And it reminded me of the Energizer Bunny. Why have we not seen him lately? I have no idea, but that Energizer Bunny used to remind me, because he just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. But that's not real, right? None of us are the Energizer Bunny. We all need that bit of rest. We also need rest from the emotional stressors of life. For me, that is time away or time in solitude. I have to share with you that I love challenges. For me, it's exciting to meet new challenges. But I know that without rest in between those new challenges, I won't meet them well. I won't meet them in the way that God could have prepared me to meet them. Which brings me to my third type of weariness, my third type of tired, if you will. And this is the one that sneaks up on us, the one that we try really hard in our daily lives to deny. But this is also the one that is the most troublesome for us. Because this type of tired is the one that carries worry, is the one that carries fear and anxiety. And it's different than the physical or emotional Tired that we feel, although it adds to that because this type of weariness is spiritual. The type of tired that makes you begin to doubt, that makes you begin to question. It's the type of tired that robs you of your sleep. It's the type of tired that can lead you to make rash decisions in the moment. It can take you down those rocky paths in life, and those rocky paths are hard to maneuver especially when we're tired. It's a dangerous tired. Because I think just as physical exertion absolutely requires time to rest, or that emotional stress can require solitude, Jesus has also given us the answer for the challenge that hits us right where our faith resides. And it's found in those words from Jesus in the book, of Matthew. Would you join me again as I share Matthew 11, 28 to 30? Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Remember Jesus speaking. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So as I was studying, these past few weeks, I came across a great example. I think that fills um, Jesus' words, and it really struck me. And it was written by King David in a psalm. I love the psalms, right? As you, I didn't always. I have to admit that, but I love them now. They teach me so much. And what I found out about David is that he is real. He wrote down exactly what he was thinking. He was not. Um, he didn't shy away from that when he wrote these words. He wrote the good and he wrote the bad. If he was angry, you knew it because he wrote about it. If he was happy or excited, he wrote about it. No matter how he was feeling, even in the angriest of moments, he wrote about that in the psalm. And I love this. He always ended that psalm giving glory and power to God. So he could relay some of the things that he was feeling. But in the end, he knew that it was giving glory and power to God that would allow him to go on. So he was in the midst at this particular Psalm, in the midst of enemies that were all around him, literally in battle, enemies around him. And this is what he says. It's Psalm 3, verses 3 to 6. He says, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. No exaggeration. So I'm wondering, how do you lay down and sleep when the enemy is at your doorstep? How do you find rest when the enemy is right there around the corner? Well, David knew it has to do with the source of your rest. So we're going to consider three points this morning about rest. And I thought it important even now as we begin to look forward to this season ahead of us that reminds us to be thankful. It's a season that celebrates the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus, but it's also a season that can lead to physical exhaustion, emotional overload, and even in the midst of celebrating our Lord. Yes, even in the midst Of celebrating our Lord, it can lead to spiritual weariness. So, the first point that I wanna ask you to consider is that rest is not an option. Sounds kind of opposite of what I said, but let me explain it. I don't mean that rest is not an option, I mean that rest is not an option for you. You must include it. It's not optional, it's necessary, it's a necessity in your life. Rest is important. We are only human, and our physical and emotional selves need that rest. Do you know, out of 24 hours that we are given in a day, the average amount of sleep recommended is a third of that time. Seven, eight, and maybe even more hours at least is recommended. That's a third of our life that we're supposed to spend, at least in sleep. Let alone some form of rest. Again, rest is not an option. We must have rest. Even Jesus needed to rest. He rested physically and he rested emotionally. One of the uh, mysteries of the life of Jesus, I just had to consider this in my own faith. One of the mysteries in his life was his divinity alongside his humanity. Our God in his humanity needed to rest. He's fully God, but he was also fully human. And in his humanness, he walked with us physically. He experienced life with us, right beside us. He laughed and he cried and he rested. What a great example he provides for us to follow. Just like us, he rested. And it's only in our faith, our growing faith and understanding, that we can begin to accept these things about our Lord and Savior without question. Listen to what Oswald Chambers says about our faith. He says, faith never knows where it is being led, right? But it always knows and loves the one who is leading. Faith doesn't know exactly where it's going, but it loves the one who is leading. So even when we read these things that we don't completely understand, our faith will guide us to believe and have trust in our Lord and Savior. So as I was studying this, I looked at the woman at the well. And it's one place that we see where Jesus stopped and he rested. He was on his way to Galilee and he had to go through Samaria and he comes to meet the woman at the well. And this is what it says in John chapter four, verse six. It says, Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, tells us right there in his word, he also got tired. Wearied wearied as he was from his journey, he was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. I'm going to ask you to remember that story because I'll come back to it more um, as we look deeper into the woman at the well. But we also read how Jesus took time to rest emotionally. That may have been physical, but there was an emotional rest that Jesus needed too. And in chapter 5, verse 16 of Luke, he tells us that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places And prayed. How often do I do that? For my emotional rest. Jesus he often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed because he knew the importance of both physical and emotional rest. And he exampled it so well for us. Because rest is not an option, it is a necessity in our life. So, what are the effects of that rest in our life? In particular, sleep. Does several things for us. It encourages a stronger immune system. It helps the body both repair, regenerate, and recover. We need rest. It is imperative to our health, imperative to our ability to function well. The Lord gave us a cure for our physical and emotional exhaustion, and it's called sleep. And so we must include that. But it is not lost on me, Lamentations 3.23. And he states there, um, his mercies are new every morning. But we need rest in order to receive those mercies every morning. Whatever is going on the night before, the battle that is around us, we need that rest in our Lord to be able to receive his, his mercies every morning. That morning brings us the new light and the next day and the new opportunities in our life. So naturally, by design, we tire. And naturally, by design, we must rest. Now there's a third type of weariness, the one that is our deepest need, I believe. And if gone unchecked in our lives, begins to wreak havoc in the things that we can do, the accomplishments, the relationships. And I think this one can fool us because the effects may seem very gradual, In our life. But I think that's also how we can be deceived. The gradual um, havoc, the gradual stress, the gradual things that start to take shape. So it's true, the lack of sleep has a negative effect on our health. In the same way, when we have neglected our relationship with Jesus, it has a negative effect on our soul has a negative effect on our faith. It has a negative effect on our relationships, the people around you, on our family. It has a negative reflect when we go to work, at our jobs. It has a negative effect on the sense of purpose that we feel, a negative effect on who we know that we were created to be, our identity. I think that old analogy fits so well here. When you unplug a light from its power source, what happens? It goes dark. When we unplug from our Lord and Savior, we can sense that darkness in our own soul. So before you think, great message, Betty, to get us in the spirit of the season to come, right? I ask you to take heart because God has given us all that we need to rest. He has given us himself, all that we need. So my second point is that our true rest is found only in God. Our truest rest is found in God. So David had confidence outside of himself. And David's confidence found its source in God. He could rest even in the midst of the war, the literal war that was happening around him. And how could he do it? Because he knew that his might was useless. In that moment, he could physically rest because he left his mind and his body and his soul in the hands of his God. No longer was the chaos around him his fight. It was God's fight, and he knew that. So we see scripture teach about this idea of rest in many different places, And so I was looking at the book of Hebrews as I studied for this, and in one part of that letter, the author starts talking about those wandering Israelites, right, who wandered for many, many years. And he's reminding his readers through this that there was a rest that they were promised, but was just out of their reach why their hearts were hardened. We read that in God's word. They could never experience the rest, the true rest that God offers if their hearts were not soft enough to be humble. If their hearts were not soft enough to recognize who was in control, God was in control, he would work all things out. He would lead them, but they would not follow. The full passage starts in Hebrews chapter four at verse one. I'm just going to look at verses nine and 10 as we consider it this morning. It says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. So the verse is taking us all the way back to creation. On that seventh day, we read that God rested from his creative work. So what kind of rest do we rest from? What do we quit doing? What do we quit doing when we come to have this faith? And as we grow in our faith and it gets stronger and we're built up better when we have this spiritual journey that guides us closer to Christ, what is it that we quit? What is it that we rest from that we stop? We quit the work of trying to earn our own salvation. We quit the work of trying to qualify for his kingdom. We quit the work of trying to be accepted by our God because those are our burdens. Those are never the burdens that the Lord expected for us to carry. God never intended for us to lose hope in that way. So when we look to Jesus for our our salvation, we quit looking to ourselves. We now turn to him for what he can provide for us, how he can lead us to that next step. There was a commentator I was reading as I was studying for this. And these are some of the things he listed about the qualities of the Sabbath rest that we see throughout Scripture. He says, namely, they are peace, they are well-being, and they are security. And he says that is a frame of mind that has a confidence and a trust in our God, not in ourselves. And it's in direct contradiction to whatever is happening around you for the battles that you are right in the midst of. In short, he goes on to say, it is peace and a sense of ultimate security, and I love this, he says, which transcends all understanding. There's a verse about that, right? We read in Philippians 4, 6, and 7 where we are told, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So like the case of David, who can lie down in the midst of his enemy, it was because he had accepted the peace of God, a peace that surpassed all understanding. So I want to go back to the woman at the well for a minute. When she arrived to draw water, it was during the heat of the day, She had come on her own, and she was tired in all of those different ways that we have already talked about. She was tired physically because her work was very demanding. I mean, she's hauling water. She's working and doing other things that were required of her. She was tired emotionally. Why? Because she had been ridiculed. She had been ostracized by others for the choices that she made, probably simply just to survive. So she had no choice but to come to that well later in the heat of the day. She had no choice but to come on her own by herself. Who would go with her, right? She was burdened. The weight of that water, I imagine, was nothing in comparison to the weight that she held on her shoulders from the pain and the hurt that she was experiencing in life. But then Jesus enters the picture at just the right time at just the right time, because he knew where her heart was. He knew that she was also spiritually tired. She enters into a conversation with Jesus, and the more she talks, the more we hear the hopelessness in her present situation and in her future even as she engages with Jesus, her heart is still a bit skeptical, I think. It's still a bit hard because that's the words that she uses. Listen to what she says when she asks Jesus. I don't know if I would ask him this. Listen to what she says. She says, are you greater than your father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and livestock? I think that's a conversation that if it was me, you try to just tiptoe away from, Right. Because what is Jesus, the creator of the universe, going to say in response to that? Is he going to be angry? How is he going to react? But we here today know how he will react. How do we know? Because we know here today his character. We have experienced his love. We have experienced his grace, his patience, his mercy in our lives. He does not chastise her. And he stays, as a matter of fact, and he sits with her and gets into relationship with her, and he talks to her. He tells her the truth. He doesn't shy away from it. He tells her the truth. He even considers right where they are, they're at a well, right, to get water, which is needed for life. But then he tells her he can provide living water. And in this, she will never have to thirst again. Now, she might have been a little bit confused, but I believe that understanding is going to come to her pretty quickly because he's not done with the conversation at this point. There is so much hope and so much life ahead. And I love how he waited until this moment to tell her this. He already knows about her past. First, he gives her life. He says, listen, there's more ahead for you. There is life. There's a living water for you. And he says, I already know about your past. I already know about your past. Regardless of her past, I have offered you life, he says. No takebacks. In fact, no one can take this from you. Not those people who are ostracizing you. um, Not those people who have hurt you in the past. No one can take this from you. And so we pause for a a minute. Because isn't that where we get stuck? I put the word stuck in there on purpose instead of sick. Isn't that where we get stuck and tired? Right? If you only knew God, if you only knew how I'm thinking... If you only knew how I am struggling, how I am wandering like those in the desert, you would not be beside me having this conversation if you only knew. Then I imagine Jesus. I imagine Jesus saying, actually, I know, right? And take heart because in me you will find rest. I already know the past and in me you will find rest. I can only imagine experiencing that moment for this woman at the well when her heart that had been hardened by life starts to soften. So her eyes are open now to see who is standing right in front of her. Jesus, the Christ, the promised Savior. So this is what she says. She says, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ, and when he comes, he will tell us all things." And right when she's ready, right when her eyes are opened and her heart is ready to receive and to hear, Jesus says, I who speak to you am he. And the truth begins to take hold. That truth, that understanding begins to take shape in her life. She can see clearly now. Okay, so when I wrote this thinking she can see clearly now, I had to think of that song. How many know that song? right? The dark clouds are starting to go away, the ones that blind me. And no matter the weather, it's a bright, 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 sunshiny day. Now, do you remember it? Okay. So she sees clearly the dark clouds are fading. The Messiah is here facing her. Her burdens are lifted. Now, that surpasses understanding, right? In her weariness, the exhausted feelings that she's going on in her life. All of that begins to fade. The weight is lifted from her shoulders. How can it be that one moment she is weighed down and the next she is free? That's the peace that surpasses understanding in our life and it is available to each and every one of us. That truth begins to take hold in her life. And so what does she do? She leaves immediately. We'll come back to that. My final point, rest in God prepares us to serve God. Listen to John 16, 33. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Through Jesus, we find rest in our inner battles. You've heard me say this before, and you've heard it here before, because it is not about what we can do, but it is about what he already did for each and every one of us. Resting in Jesus is trusting in him. It's following him. It's listening to his voice, and then it's obeying him. Because his yoke is easy, scripture tells us that, and his burden is light. It's about knowing his voice above all the rest, his voice even in the chaos of the battle that is surrounding you. It's about humbling ourselves and magnifying our God. It's about taking time to be in his presence where true rest is available right when we need it. He meets us right when we need it. This is what Charles Spurgeon writes about rest. He says, rest time is not waste time. Don't we go there sometimes? It's a waste of time to rest, but it is so not. He says, it is economy to gather fresh strength. It is wisdom to take occasional furlough. In the long run, we shall do more by sometimes doing less. So we talked about the physical and emotional benefits of rest. The same is true for the spiritual benefits. Rest encourages a stronger immune system for your faith. It helps helps your spirit as the Holy Spirit works in you to repair, regenerate, and recover. We need rest. Rest in Jesus is imperative to our spiritual health. It is imperative to our soul. This rest is not an option. It is a necessity. Hannah Whittle Smith writes, no soul can be really at rest until it has given up all dependence on everything else and has been forced to depend on the Lord alone. How hard is that for us to release? But that's where rest is found. As long as our expectation is from other things, nothing but disappointment awaits us. So we go back to that woman at the well. When the weight of her burdens were lifted, when her heart was softened and she began to see the truth of who was really standing right in front of her, she was refreshed in a moment. And she immediately forgot her original intention. We know that because the water bucket scripture tells us is left behind. And where did she go? She went to tell others who, because of her testimony, came to see who it was that she had actually found. And then, because of their own willing hearts to come and meet Jesus themselves, they came to know the truth for themselves. She was an evangelist in the truest sense, I think. She was a disciple-maker, simply by allowing that hardened heart to be softened, humbling herself by believing by trusting, by letting go of herself, right, to be able to hang on to Jesus. She could go forward and share the truth because Jesus was enough to give her the strength and the energy to do that. Our spirit must rest in him. And somehow it surpasses all of our understanding because he takes the heavy weight of our burdens. When we are yoked to him, the walk is easy because our eyes are open and he will empower us to see the things he desires. His burden is no burden at all for we have left the heavy debilitating burdens, the fears, the troubles, the striving on our own to try to get to heaven, to try to be good enough because I can't do enough and I don't have to. It's about what the Lord will do. So instead, we move forward with his work to share the hope we have found, not in our strength, but in his. It isn't our work, it is his. We must begin to understand and realize that. We can never fail him, but we can neglect him. We can neglect him. So why is rest important for our faith? Because in that rest, we find the truth. In that rest, we find the purpose that he has for us. We find Jesus, and we can sleep even in the middle of the battle around us. And so this morning, I ask you to prepare for the season that is ahead of us for many reasons. I tell you, get enough sleep, right? Because you're gonna be a better parent. You're gonna be a better spouse, a better friend, a better coworker. You're gonna grow in your faith if you allow that rest to take place. I encourage you, take a moment to be alone. It's not all up to you. And by the way, if you think it is, you're already headed down the rocky path. And most importantly, spend time with Jesus. Be preemptive and proactive because he has a plan for you. And this is so important in this message. If we are rested in him and ready to do the things that he calls us to do, just like the woman at the well, then we are rested and we are ready in this season that is ahead to share the hope With those family members, to share the hope with our friends, to share the hope with our coworkers, to even share the hope with a stranger as God allows them to cross our path. That's how we are prepared. That's how we are ready in the season that's to come. We need to stop doing and start resting and allow Him to guide our path in our direction. So let's look back at that quote from the beginning. He who cannot rest doesn't have the capability to do the work. He who cannot let go of their own striving cannot hold on to Jesus and the rest that he offers. He who cannot find the footing in their Lord and Savior cannot find success in the purpose that he has for them. We must rest in all of those ways in order to be able to go forward with the amazing season that is ahead. So let me end with Matthew 11. 28 to 30, come to me, Jesus says, all who labor and are heavy burden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. It's a promise. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. May we let go of the stressors that we have grabbed onto, the burdens that we have put on our own shoulders, and reach out to our Lord and our Savior. If you don't yet know the Lord as your Savior, I encourage you this morning to take a chance in the quietness of your heart right now to say a prayer reaching out to him. It's not special words that you need. It's only the heart and the desire as it begins to humble and melt away that you need to reach out to him. Allow him to do the work in your heart even this morning. Amazing journey ahead for you. And if you're sitting here this morning and you are a believer and maybe your faith has stepped back just a little bit, I encourage you as well to take the step that he has called you to first to rest in him. But we can't stay and rest. We've got to move forward with the work that he has for us, especially in the season upcoming. What an amazing opportunity we have before us to share the faith and hope that we have received. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you We thank you for the opportunities that you have given to each and every one of us to rest in you, to lay those burdens of striving that we carry at your feet, Lord. You have a plan and you have a purpose, Lord, and we we can be a part of that if we will humble ourselves, let go of our own things to grasp onto you. Lord, rest so that we may be able to do the work that is ahead that you call us to do. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've offered. Thank you for the joy that you give us when we follow in the walk that you've provided. And if there is anyone new here to you this morning, Lord, I pray that in the quietness of their heart, they would reach out to you with a heart of desire. What is it, Lord, that you offer? And how can they find that you have the answers for them, Lord? We thank you and we love you. And Lord, I lift this time up to you and the people here this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.